0: Thank you for tuning in to the Wiggly podcast from Wiggly Wigglers, Lower Blakemere Farm, Blakemere, Herefordshire in the UK. And our website is
1: www.wigglywigglers.co.uk.
0: And it's perfect if you want things to make your good life easy. I'm thinking worm composters to recycle your kitchen waste.
1: I'm thinking bird seed to keep all your birds happy in the garden.
0: He said that because he produces it. I'm thinking bokashi, so that you can compost indoors without any hassle.
1: I'm thinking about wildflowers to plant in your wildflower meadow to keep the insects and the bugs happy in your garden.
0: I'm thinking British flowers so you can send a bouquet to Sunday. Shall we stop the advert? Listen, today's show has Terry. Terry Walton, the Radio 2 tier is in the Hay Festival garden and he's going to give you a few but now, Phil and I are going to head out to see the new boy's toy in the yard. But first, let's listen
1: to our latest review. We've got a couple of reviews. The first one is from Crackpot... Now I'll see that again. Crackpot Clarkie. That's very difficult to say, isn't it? That not
0: its it a five-star? Right? It's a
1: five-star, oh, yes. Excellent. Thank you for that. Wiggle on. I've tried writing a long, rambling review for the Wigglers. Alas, words fail me. Thankfully, they rarely fail Heather or Phil. Quite simply, the best podcast for me, anyhow. Well, oh. That's great. I like that.
0: Thank you very much.
1: And then we've got another one from Kate84. I'm not quite sure what the 84 signifies, but anyway.
0: Is it a 5 starer? Uh,
1: it is a 5 star yes. <laughs> Personal, informative and entertaining, a slice of the good life. I love listening to the Wiggly podcast on my way to work. Heather has an infectious laugh that has me grinning stupidly on the tube. She grins stupidly sometimes as well.
0: I could do it for you (laughs) now. Farmer Phil's
1: (laughs) tidbits about farming are fascinating. Whether discussing land management or the ins and outs of cattle farming, somehow they manage to impart some new gem that I didn't know I needed to know. There you are. She's not bored of my bits, (laughs) even if you are. Mm. It puts me back in touch. Mm. It puts me back in touch with my countryside roots, makes me think about where the food I eat comes from, rethink the way I garden, and makes me yearn for some green space. Keep up the good work, Wiggly team. The half-hour casts are entertaining, informative, and good sound quality. Well done, Michael, there. They've been edited to be coherent (laughs) while keeping the personal touch. You feel like you know Heather, Phil, and Monty personally. Thank thank you very much. Thank you very much much for that. Okay,
0: get your boots on, Phil. We're going outside. For those of you that are new to listening to The Wiggly Podcast, we produce one every week, but we generally now go with the school holidays. So this one will be our last show till September, I suppose, because Farmer Phil will be out on his combine. So let's go and see the new toy. just stopping off in the mixing shed oh a swallow a swallow that's just, well that's a young one isn't it
1: yeah they've just fledged there's four or five little ones and mum and dad and you can hear the sparrows as well there's a nest of sparrows in here they've just fledged as well and you can perhaps hear the racket they're making in the background
0: the swallow one of the swallows called into the wiggly office so For those of you that don't know, we're upstairs, so we're in the bossy of our shed that was in our stables, and they came up the stairs, through the door, did a lap of honour, round and round the office, and then flew beautifully out of the door without crashing.
1: They're ace at flying because they only eat... Airborne insects. They don't eat seed or mealworms or anything like that. They will only eat what they catch on the wing. So that you can imagine, they're pretty good at that.
0: They do eat mealworms if you throw them up in the air.
1: Airborne mealworms only.
0: Do you know what? A certain designer, I won't mention the name, but if you think of Habitat some years ago, you've got the sort of family that I'm thinking of, sent through some designs for bird boxes today via a company and do you know what they had perches on the front of them shocked and stunned at blakemere phil that horrified look will not translate on the podcast
1: what can i say
0: and for those of you not sure don't put perches on your bird boxes because all it means is it's a stopping place for predators to get in there and your bird doesn't need a perch. He can go straight,
1: straight in. They goes straight in the hole.
0: Absolutely straight in the hole. So anyway, what are we doing?
1: We're just going to pick up some meal to go and feed the... I've got a few cows in the shed, just the last ones that are calving. We had an enormous calf last night, South Devon 13. Got right to the end of my calving aid, which is the, the thing I use to pull calves when they're very big. And I got right to the last notch on it. I don't remember the last time that's happened.
0: Is he all right, the yeah, calf? Yeah,
1: he's in a minute.
0: Okay so just get in the bag to put the meal in. What's the meal mix?
1: The meal's based on barley that we grow and then we mix minerals, sugar beet shreds and soya to bring it up to the right protein. So we weigh it so we know how much we're giving each cow. So that's the right weight and now we'll take it over to the cattle yard and give it to the five cows that we've got in there.
0: They're a noisy lot in here.
1: Well, they're unruly youngsters now, aren't they?
0: And they've got good access to um, little treats, haven't they?
1: (laughs) They don't want for too much in here, Hmm. but hopefully I build you for it before they steal it.
0: Thank you so much. Here we are in the cow shed.
1: So you've got a selection of items in here. What's flying outside? That's a big nasty crow. Oh. First on the left you've got my very old cow, number 31. She's 19 this year. And the night before last I carved a little calf from her. It was backwards. And she's very delicate because her arthritis in her hips has caught up with her. She's a bit disabled. That's the last calf she had. But I was very pleased. To be able to have a live calf successfully and she'll now have a restful summer rearing that quietly
0: she's got some how do i put this delicately some feral
1: he's got a good good mouthful hasn't he yeah
0: and who's this
1: this is one of our mri cows she's got a nice little calf little heifer calf by penguin we'll probably keep that as a heifer to breed from in the future We try and shut these cows and calves in for a couple of days when they calve, just to make sure that it's all in order and they're bonded and right. And then we've got our patient. He ruined his cruciate ligaments in his knee. Oh, no! He's got a painful knee, so he's having to live inside quietly. He's quite happy. He's doing all right. But we're trying to treat the knee to try and keep the swelling down. What did he do to his knee? He twisted it somehow in the yard, in the muck. I suspect something was bullying and he was charging around. He was getting a lot better and then it blew up again, but we, the vet's been treating him and we've got the temperature down again. And so here we've got the last few that have carved. There are one or two issues here, but that's the cow that I carved last night and we'll see her calf in a minute. This cow, South Devon 10, she had a little premature calf, so she's a big, big brown cow with a little tiny black calf. But he's healthy and happy. So OK, so you've here.
0: got the manger, and they all know what's going to happen. Is that it?
1: That is it, but I thought you ought to meet this. Wow! Come on, boy.
0: <laughs> so Come this on. calf is about twice the size of the calf that we've just seen that's days old. Yeah. Oh what a buster! <laughs> he's a sandy coloured calf.
1: So he's half South Devon. Half Hang on a minute Charolais.
0: so he is up to Farmer Phil's belt.
1: Yeah.
0: His legs he just looks wrong. <laughs> what is he then?
1: He's half Chalet, half South Devon. Right. He is a big old boy.
0: He is a big old
1: boy. Uh, He's in good order. He's sucking because when we carved him, obviously I had to try quite hard to carve him and his tongue was a little bit swollen. So we tubed him with his colostrum straight off so we knew he'd got that. But today he's been sucking perfectly well and as you can see, he's up and about.
0: If you want to see photos of him, if you pop to Twitter and follow Farmer Phil or me, at Wiggled, you'll see the photos up there.
1: There you are, there's a sure sign of a healthy calf because he's just stretched.
0: Right, let's go to Terry at Hay Festival and then we're going to see the new boys toys. So, I've got Terry again in the hay garden, the wiggly garden at hay. So, any surrounding noise are all those humans pounding about, off to see Michael Mulpungo, etc. Who? Do you know, we had Nigella here yesterday. Did you have Nigella? Did yes. she, didn't, she didn't cook on the sand? She planted wild marjoram.
2: Wild marjoram? And she looked
0: absolutely beautiful. She's oh, 50 right. something, I'm 47. I felt like a haggard old fatty.
2: Oh, no. She she just puts lots of makeup on. Do you think so? It's all, it's all like cooking fat it's all <laughs> keeps it the is. complexion looking good <laughs> neutralising the skin all, doesn't it? Chips. all those chips of course yes it is right. you, know, you, you, need more than you. you need to get your head over those steamy sort of kitchen things <laughs>
0: oh, I wish you'd have been here you could have told oh, them that.
2: I could have done all that yeah, yeah exactly yes.
0: anyway what I want to know is what about all the pests that are going to turn up how am I going to keep them off my veggies because I've got all sorts of pests in my Garden slugs are just the start of it.
2: Well, there's there's not that slugs are one of the more difficult to put off because whatever you put down, a slug will eventually or a snail will find a way through. There are lots of barriers on them which are coarse grit, eggshells, and lots of other stuff. And you can put down, but the slug will eventually, when that gets damp, will find his way over. The only way to cure the slug and snail is late-night, midnight hunting with a flashlight <laughs> and a decent knife. Yeah. And that is the only surefire way you shine the light between his eyes, it blinks temporarily, a flash of steel, and it is no more.
0: Have you tried that Nemo Terry? I've
2: tried that. I'm, I'm my third year of that now. Yeah. And it is starting to take effect. I yeah. My garden now is not the amount of slugs it has before. But bear in mind they will come on coach trips for days out. So whatever you do, <laughs> might be newer population out, the, the word will spread and they will move in and somebody you, you can woke up one morning and there's a slug coach there with about fifty new slugs has turned up for the day for a munch. It's like you lot coming from South Wales to the Ross Labels. That's right, you know, yeah. When you're there then you can get on with it, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you think, God, I've been in I've been in London all week. <laughs> it's nice to come to this Welsh, you'll say, no, but a Welsh lettuce. Absolutely. <laughs> so slugs are not the easiest, but the, the rest of stuff, like flying past in particular... Most of the best ways to keep it out are with barriers. And invitamesh or fleece are two of the finest. I mean, the worst possible pest of all is the carrot root fly. Yeah. The ca- you, these carrots come up, they've their lovely green tops. You're looking forward, you're licking your lips, ready for this big orange root to come out of the soil. And, when you, and then it starts to go yellow and red and collapse, and the fly has found it. Now, I had tried barrier coating with fleece, now they say the average carrot root fly cannot fly more than 17 inches.
0: So let's think. That's not very much.
2: No, but that's rubbish. Is it? <laughs> because I put 24-inch-high fleece corrals around my stuff, and these are just done a two-week intensive course close by here in Eddiford. And the, SA- had, the, the S.A.S. and now taught them how to grapple over the top of that. Now <laughs> what I do now, and the only surefire way I got, I've made up some frames which are about two foot six high, and over that goes Invitamash, locked solidly at the ground level, so this is a complete Invitamash cage. Now, for the last two seasons, no carrot fly is penetrated. I'm only waiting for them to go on this training course now with <laughs> wire cutters, and then I'll have to move on to barbed wire, but up until then, <laughs> no.
0: Is that how you feel about it, that they are developing ways around your yes. attempt? Yes, so you yes. are battling them? Yes, ba-
2: yes. I mean, you go over the years, I mean, there has been lots of insecticides, not that I use insecticides, but they do become resistant, just like antibiotics and us, isn't they? I mean, there's only so much you can do, and these pests will evolve and then start to become resistant. So the only way is to say, keep out. And the other one, the other nasty little pest of all, is he's, he's beautiful, isn't he? The cabbage white butterfly.
0: Oh, I yeah, love come him flying. I love great.
2: him he love him flying about. But when Duh. he goes and lays my, his eggs under my cabbages, mm. out comes his offspring. And then they delight in stripping an old cabbage patch down to a massive lace yeah. in less than three days. He has to stop. Yeah. I don't mind him flying about and going in somewhere else, go and find a few nasturtiums, go and find somewhere natural, but not on my green patches. (laughs) So again, what I do there is I buy butterfly netting, erect some poles or some hoops, put it over your cabbages, he comes along, he can't get in, but beware, if you leave one leaf in contact with our net, he will still manage to lay his eggs and he will still spread his population even under your net, but it does keep them out.
0: When does he come? Does he? You know, are you, have, do you have to be vigilant from what stage of growth?
2: Well, I mean, as soon as the leaves are big enough, even on tiny coming plants, when the butterfly is ready to lay its eggs, it will lay its eggs. And they laid extremely early this year, because very good April, and it was very warm, and they were actually laying then. And they will now start to lay right throughout the season. And the worst possible time is going into August, early September, because they are the last brood, and they like to lay these eggs, get the caterpillars out. Those caterpillars then can go up and find a nice little dry eaves, pupate, and then actually land up, being there all winter to emerge the following spring as a new generation. So they're with us from about May right through to September really and at any time in that period we see these beautiful white things floating around your plot all they're looking for is somewhere to lay their eggs and carry on the race.
0: And aphids, do you have a lot of problems? No, this is the
2: them? next thing, yeah. Aphids, then, the only way to actually attack aphids is by blasting them. Again, because I'm organic, I don't use insecticides, you have to be vigilant. And as soon as you see a little colony of black fly, little colony of green fly, then I pump up my two and a half a half litre sprayer. And I, pump, I just put it onto full blast, and then I direct that blast onto them. They could be just, just tepid water. water, just tepid water. The force of that blasts them off, they gasp, they drop to the ground, and then the water cascades down. They, do, they can only do about four strokes, then they swallow a lot of water, and then they perish. <laughs> They've gone. They are no more. So you just blast them off. But you have to go around because one or two will cling on and hide behind the leaves. And by the next day, they have formed another fifty or sixty of their offspring. So you have to go round and do this regularly. And
0: it's quite nice, really, because it's like you against the pest on equal terms. So instead of cheating and using chemicals, you're up against it using your wits. Every day and is a <laughs> war.
2: Every day is a war. God <laughs> dear. So I've, I've been in all my allotment fifty years, and it's been a fifty years of. Solid war. <laughs> and Have I, they
0: ever won the no, battle? No,
2: no, never no, never win. The, if, you, if they win the battle, you've got no vegetables. They, they sometimes get a bit out of hand, but mainly I'm there every day and I'm round every day. What people forget is they turn up to the garden and they get on with the job. The first thing you do when you get to a garden is go and inspect. You should walk around, see what's looking good, what's looking bad, where the pests are and tackle them first because it's no good going on putting more feeding in for the pests if they're behind you eating what you already put in. So they'll keep moving. So every day attack them, put them under control. And again, what you need to do as well is to get some beneficial insects around because you need the ladybird, you need the lacewings, you need all the goodies to come into your garden and keep these at bay.
0: And what about the habitats, have you got habitats in your garden for lacewings and ladybirds? You know, have you got
2: log piles? Have I have lots of log piles. All the old logs, I, I keep an eye out for people who would chop my own trees, and I look for the small logs, I like to make log piles. And again, I, I've got uh, one of these bee, what have you got them? Bee
0: hotels. Bee or hotel. Bug i got one, one yeah. of them,
2: bug boxes. i got one of them, but yeah, and i got lots of walls with lots of cavities in them, that these insects can actually go in. And again, the, i got the shed, they can get under the eaves during the winter, the ladybirds can sort of in there. And one of the things that you should never do in an autumn is be real clean and tidy. Leave leaf litter on the ground leave a bit of debris around. The garden's are supposed to look pristine in the winter, and they are the perfect overwintering spots for these goodies.
0: Now, I noticed you said tepid water. So, is the water in your water butt better than an ice cold blast of water out oh, of your yes. hose pipe?
2: Yes. I mean, would you like to be sitting in a new bikini <laughs> on a <your> new sunbed <laughs> and somebody comes up and turns a hose pipe on you? What do you do? First thing you do If it is was shriek... you,
0: Terry, I'd be very happy. Well,
2: I'll come and do that. <laughs> we must no longer share these kinky ideas. <laughs> But there's nothing worse on a warm body than to be having something really cold. It makes you shriek, it makes you shiver, and your feet, you get all sort of tensed up. And it's exactly the same with plants. These are there, growing in the warm environment got a sun on the leaves and then you come along with a water which is about three degrees and they think my god what's he trying to do kill me go away go away I'd rather I'd rather die of thirst than be me." so I fill up and I leave them at least 24 hours and then the water is at the same temperature as the air and then you can go around and there's no shock to those plants and they grow on quite unchecked and unabated
0: now, Alan Titchmar said it was pointless talking to your um, flower garden, but definitely to talk to your veggies.
2: Absolutely. I Meaning, when you get out there and you've got something that's not quite moving as it ought to, like your onions are sitting there, and you think, what well, are you, I'm grown for three days. Yeah. So you stand at the end of the row and you say, oh, Christ, <laughs> sick, pull your <laughs> finger out or you're out. And vegetables understand that sort of talking. Do they? Your flowers and. <laughs> Flowers are not good at all. No. I mean, they, you know, they, they, they just shrug it off and they think, I'll grow when I'm ready. But vegetables, and when, when you go into your greenhouse, if you want your tomatoes ripened, the best thing to do is give them a clip around the ear. Because really? when, when you clip your tomato plant, that helps pollinations. Shaking the plant actually helps the flower to pollinate. So it's quite often useful to be a bit on the rough side with some of your vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> not that Tish knows much about gardening. Of course not. <laughs>
0: so here we are big shiny and green tell us all about your new toy farm phil
1: well this is the latest in nearly 50 years of class combines that we've had so this is the year to we have another you know replace it have a fresh one what do you mean
0: how often do you have them
1: we change them they each do four seasons
0: and do you sort of lease them
1: no we buy them on a higher purchase so that we'll buy them over three years
0: so you've got this enormous piece of sophisticated kit that'll do a couple of weeks' work a year.
1: Well, a bit more than that. It does about 250 hours' work each year.
0: And then that's it. It goes okay.
1: with... Go back in the shed then.
0: Can't you reuse it for something else, like not... hanging, washing on the, <laughs> on the pecker? or? Well,
1: no. well, not really, no. It doesn't seem to work much for that. But you probably ought to consider that every day it's harvesting, we can harvest £20,000 worth of crop through it. It cuts 23 feet wide in one go and I suppose it's capable of about 35 tonnes an hour of wheat. And it's
0: a class lexian 650. It is, yes. Come on, let's get up in it.
1: And all it smells of is like new combine.
0: You like it, don't you? I do like it. (laughs) Is there anything new about the technology behind this thing?
1: It's got various tweaks and improvements on the last ones. Its electronics are better, its hydraulics are better. But essentially, it's the same machine as we had before.
0: Do you have to be trained to drive this, or can you get on in a moment and brum off?
1: Um, If you'd never driven one before, you would have to be trained because you'd never worked the computer out. But having said that, it, it's all quite logical, so that once you've got the hang of it, it's not difficult.
0: And are they on time this year yes. delivering your piece of kit? Because yeah. I do remember a certain moment in time where Farmer Phil was ready to cut grass seed and cut wheat and cut barley, and the combine wasn't well, here. The
1: trouble is that because we have it quite modified quite a lot to cut grass seed, in previous occasions that we have had issues where they hadn't completed the modifications but this year I'm pleased to say that we're all in apple pie order and we've got the kit on the place in time ready to start
0: because you are a grass seed grower that cuts and processes your seed in one go yep. whereas Philip Whittle up the road chops his grass seed off and then leaves it on the ground for That's a while right. Why?
1: Well, it's the two different ways of doing it. If you cut it and put it in, swath it, put it in a swath, the idea is that you dry it in the swath, so then when you combine it, it's drier. Like hay? A bit like hay, but the seed is what you're after, so the seed is drier. But the downside is that while it's in the swath, it's at risk from the weather.
0: But also, you've got two processes, so that must be two lots of diesel.
1: A little bit. And two lots of time. You can go faster. When you pick up drier seed, so that it takes less time probably to pick up swaths than it does to combine it direct.
0: Okay, so we're recording this show on the 7th of July... And incidentally, if, got, if you're now listening this coming week, you've got till the 20th of July to take advantage of the weekly sale.
1: <laughs> I thought you were going to say you've got until the 20th of July to think about what present or card to send you for your birthday.
0: <laughs> yes, it is coming up. But no, the weekly sale is on till 20th of July. There's huge bargains. But it's on the 7th of July, and so we're looking out over our fields at Blakemere and I can see cows in the field, and I can see, well, the wind blowing across a lovely crop or something. Uh, When are they ready? What's the position?
1: Well, we will start towards the end of the month. Debatable whether we'll start with one of the grass seed crops or the winter barley, but it'll be one of those two things. There was talk earlier in the year that everything was going to come radically early and all the rest of it, and I don't think that's going to be the case here, although there are parts of the country where they are combining already, and they are earlier than normal, purely through drought, lack of water.
0: And what are you hoping for, Farmer Phil, from this year's harvest, 2011?
1: Well, it would be nice to have a harvest when it didn't rain.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: The last four, we've had difficult, wet, soggy harvests, and they're hard on everything, man and machine. It would be just nice to have a harvest where it all rattled through a bit sort of easier. Good luck. The law of averages suggests he's going to chuck it down.
0: If you want to tune into the show again, please go back to the Wiggly podcast at wigglywigglers.co.uk or go to iTunes. We'll be back in September with more Chitty Chat from Blakemere and Wiggly Wigglers. Have a great summer. Bye from me. Bye. Well, we're back indoors, but I spotted a problem with one of my chicks. So I'm afraid that it's probably not going to work out for the chick. And I'm going to take PharmaPhil down with me to check it out to see if there's any way around the situation. I think it's an accident because this chick has been absolutely fine. And yesterday, it's completely wonky, you know, like its legs stuck out the back. But I thought, Maybe it would get better, but we'll go and have a look, and I've got a bad feeling it's not a good thing. Let's get the mealworms, because it's always good to have a nice last supper, and if he's better, it'll be a celebration. Well, we're out in the chickens, and we've got a tale of joy and a tale of disaster. The tale of joy is that we've had five new chicks, amazing and our hens are producing lots of eggs which is also really good but we have one disaster and we've got a, a little chick hen that's broke its leg I think. Here it is.
1: For whatever reason it hasn't got the correct use of its leg. doesn't appear to have any infection which is good for the others so there's no swollen joints or...
0: It just doesn't work does it, it? just
1: doesn't work.
0: And the problem is that as you can see he can't cope
1: can he? No. I'm and so afraid I think in fairness to him we will have to put him out of his misery.
0: Let me just get him some mealworms so he has his last supper nicely. There you are little man. I know this seems silly but... To my mind.
1: Well it makes you feel a bit better about it. He's had a good life thus far. Yeah. He, does like he enjoys his
0: mealworms. But I'm afraid mate, that's your lot.
1: And what we're going to do is to just wring his neck. Just like that. And there's a bit of a clap.
0: Poor old chick. Now we'll go and dig our hole.